Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. I get the impression that when Paul is writing this, I get the impression that he's just kind of overwhelmed, if you will, at his own writing. I mean, he's writing these things. Remember, he's inspired by the Holy Spirit and he's writing these things and he's talking about the fact that we've been picked and that God has God foreknew us and God predestined us and God called us and God saved us and God justified us and he sanctified us and he went and he washed us in the blood and he's forgiven us and someday he's going to glorify us. And I get the impression that Paul is just kind of kind of kind of overwhelmed at his own writing. And he probably looked at that and went, wow, that's good. You read your own stuff and go, man, that's good. And he's just like, oh, my goodness. And he probably just passed out. And then when he came to, he goes, whoa, whoa, what in the world? What can I say to these things? If God is for us, then question number one, who can oppose us? Now, in the Greek language, listen, go ahead and look at verse 31, if you will, with me again. And right in the middle of verse 31, are you looking at it? It says, if God is for us. In the Greek language, Bible students, this better translates, since God is for us. Since God is for us, here's how it reads in the Greek language. Since God is for us, what difference does it make who is against us? In other words, this isn't a question with a question mark. It's an exclamation with an exclamation point. God is for us. Listen to me. Take a moment right now and just meditate on that thought. God is for us. God is for us. Not God is against us. You know, some people think that God is against them. Some people think that God is the cosmic killjoy. And he's against you. Listen, the Bible says, what saints? God is for us. What does the Bible say, saints? God is for us. Your family might not be for you. Your family may have turned their backs against you. Your children may have disappointed you. Your job may have become redundant and it isn't what you thought it would be. Your marriage may be on the rocks. Your life might be full of problems, but please know, saints, God is for us. 
Not God was for us, will be for us, or might be for us. It says that God is for us. Listen, God is right now for us. This is good news. Don't you understand that the maker of the mountains is for you? Do you understand that the one who laid the ocean floor is for you? Can I share something with you? Say yes. Because yes. <laughs> I'm going to anyway. It's rhetorical, man. Not only is God for you, but hear me, the Trinity is for you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is for you. Now, we don't have time to look at it, but if you're taking notes, you write this down. In verse 26 of chapter 8, we learn that the Holy Spirit is for us. In verse 34 of chapter 8, we learn that the Son, Jesus, is for us. And in verse 31, we learn that the Father is for us. Are you getting that? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is for us. Now, if the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is for us, then who can oppose us? Nobody. And how do we know that God is for us? You know, sometimes we think that God is for us when we're receiving good from the Lord. So often we think it's proof that God is for us because God is blessing us. Lord, if you give me a raise on my job, I'll know that you're for me. And you get that raise. Yay. God is for me. Lord, if you really love me, then you'll let me hit the lotto. And if I win 50 million, Lord, I won't give you 10%. I'll cut you in on half. And God's like, Billy, joy. Oh, thank you. What would I do without you hitting the lotto? <laughs> and we hit the lotto. If you hit the lotto, hook me up. <laughs> and we hit the lotto and we think, oh, God is for us. Lord, if you love me, then give me that man. Give me that man to be my husband. And then some years later, you're saying, Lord, you love me and you gave me him. <laughs> You know, my point is this. Listen, saints, oftentimes we ask God to show us his love for us in some fleshly ways. Don't shout me down. Isn't that true? God, if you love me, then you'll do this. God says, listen, I'm going to prove that I love you, but not in fleshly ways. I'm going to prove to you that I love you by, watch this, I'm going to send my son. Would you look at verse 32 with me again? He who did not spare his own, what saints? Son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Listen, God sent his son into the world, born in a manger, took on flesh, became a man. Then God watched as people beat him, spit on him, mocked him, platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. God the Father. Father Almighty, prior to that, watched his son in the garden praying and great drops of blood, hematidosis, great drops of blood began to flow. And Jesus said, Father, 
If there's any other way for folks to be saved, then let's go with that. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. So we know that the fact that Jesus went to the cross is proof positive that there was no other way for folks to be saved. Because if there was another way for folks to be saved, God the Father would have went with that to spare his son. Get the CD. You understand. So God is in heaven watching all of these things happen to his son on earth. Put yourself in God's place now. God we're talking about is the almighty God with all power at his disposal. And it is God who stood by and watched his son beaten. Jesus was beaten for people who could care less. And then God the father took the sin of the entire world and fired his holy wrath on his only son. So saints, I said, all of that people listen to say all of this. If you want to know how much God loves you, don't look to a husband or a new car or a new job or hitting the lotto. If you want to know how much God loves you, all you have to do is look at the cross. God sent and gave his most valued possession. The Bible calls it the precious blood of Jesus. That word precious means without estimation. Can't put a price on it. Without value. Greater than the hope diamond. The blood of Jesus is greater than the hope diamond. And God sent his son to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And it is the death of Jesus that is God's ultimate demonstration of how much he loves man. And that he did not spare his only son. So if God is for us, then who can be against us? And how we know that God is for us, verse 32, answers how we know God is for us. Because God sent us his only begotten son. God proved it. So who can oppose us? Here's the answer. Nobody, no one that matters. Amen. Point number two, who can accuse us in verse 33? We just read it. Go ahead and look at it again. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who can bring a charge against God's elect? You know, I think a better question is who doesn't accuse God's elect? Satan certainly does. As a matter of fact, Revelation chapter 12, right about verse 10, tells us that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That Satan, listen, accuses us before God day in and day out. Do you know Satan never has a good day? <laughs> and he doesn't want you to have one either. So he accuses you. Every day he goes into the presence of God and gets God's attention to draw his attention to every flaw, every defect, every sin, every shortcoming, every weakness. He accuses us. And let's just face it, saints. Satan doesn't lie to God about us. He has enough to accuse us forever. You know, Satan tried to accuse me. I tell him, look, I'm, I'm, I'm better than you know. <laughs> you only know the half of it. I know the truth. 
But see, the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 2, it tells us if anyone sins, we have an advocate. Do you know that word advocate is attorney? We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So who can accuse us? Satan accuses us. Listen, the world accuses us. John chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, Jesus said, you know, it hated me before it hated you. And we Christians accuse each other. Galatians chapter 5, verse 15, if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. And we accuse ourselves. I mean, if you're anything like me, you know, I don't need any help with condemnation. I wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and go, you. We accuse ourselves. But listen, it doesn't matter who accuses us. The Bible tells us who shall bring any charge against those whom God has chosen. God doesn't accuse. God excuses. And God is the one who justifies. And when we are brought saints, listen, before the court of heaven, our father, who is the judge, Jesus, who is the defense attorney and the Holy Spirit is our helper. So who can accuse us? Nobody Answer, no one who matters. Question number three, who can condemn us? You'll find that in verse 34. Go ahead and peek at it in your Bibles. Who is he who condemns us? Christ Jesus died for us. More than that, he was raised to life and he's sitting at the right hand of God and he's interceding for us. Listen, the only one who can condemn us is Christ. Amen. And yet he's the very one who forgives us and intercedes for us. He's the one who went to the cross. He is the one who died for us. So who can condemn us? Final answer, nobody, nobody who matters. And question number four, who can defeat us? We find that in verse 37. Go ahead and look at that in your Bibles. Yet in all these things, we are what saints? More than conquerors through him who loved us. We're more than conquerors. This word more than conquerors literally means, if you're taking notes, write this in your margin. It means to keep on conquering to a greater degree. We keep on conquering to a greater degree or we keep on winning or we're hyper conquerors. We are super abundant conquerors through Christ. We're more than conquerors. And Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17 tells us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Do you know that verse? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Now, listen, the Bible does not say, listen close, that no weapon will be formed against you. The Bible does say, are you listening? The Bible does say no weapon formed against you. Help me, Calvary people. No weapon formed against you shall what? Prosper. No weapon shall prosper. It doesn't say no weapon be formed against you. Because some people will form a weapon against you. Satan will form a weapon against you. But the Bible says it won't prosper. You don't believe me? Ask the Pharaoh. Don't you remember as he was children of Israel making their way out of Egypt? And Pharaoh's in hot pursuit chasing Israel to destroy them. The Bible says that the Red Sea swallowed them up and wiped them out. Ask Haman in the book of Esther. As he found out that no weapon would prosper, Haman built gallows to kill every Jew. And Haman ended up in the gallows that he built for the Jews. Oh, you can ask Hitler about forming a weapon to prosper. As Hitler found out, he tried to kill off God's people. And the Third Reich 
was supposed to last for a thousand years and it came to an end in 12. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Don't you know, listen close, the church is indestructible. Now, I know we see all the stuff going on in the world and pastors falling and things happening and churches being forced to go underground in the world. But let me tell you something. The church is indestructible. The church cannot be defeated. The church is invincible. And the reason the church is invincible is not because they're strong in and of themselves. The church is invincible because Jesus said, upon this rock, I shall build what? And the gates of hell shall not what? Prevail against it. The church is indestructible. The power and the dominion of Satan is no match. For the power and the dominion of Jesus Christ, our Lord. I'm going to wait. That's true. And we have to understand something. See, I'm afraid that in the church today, we give Satan far too much credit. Matter of fact, I hear some people, honestly, nobody here. (laughs) But I hear some folks, they just praising Satan. I mean, honestly, Satan did this and Satan did that and Satan did this. No, by the way, did I tell you what Satan did? Satan did this and Satan did that. Listen, Satan is no match for Jesus. Satan is not all powerful. He is no threat for Jesus. And because Satan is no threat for Jesus, honestly, he's no threat to you. You know, it's a story. I, I love this story. I've read it before here at Calvary. And we don't know if it's true or not. But listen to this. Martin Luther woke up one night and the rocking chair by his bed was creaking and rocking back and forth. And, and he grabbed his candle and he lit it and he put it over toward the chair and Satan himself was sitting in the rocking chair by the side of the bed. And Martin Luther said, oh, it's you. He blew out his candle and went back to bed. <laughs> don't you love that? I don't know if that story is true or not, but I think the point is very clear. The Bible says greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We don't need to be concerned about Satan. We don't need to be concerned about the devil and the the prince of darkness and all of these kinds of things that go on in the world. We don't need to be concerned with people. You know, there's a lot of talk and I don't know if you're getting this, but I hear a lot of talk about people doing voodoo stuff and 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 weird stuff and 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 in certain cultures. I just came from vacation in a culture where, you know, there's voodoo and witchcraft. And and people putting stuff on you, whatever that really means. Listen, I don't have that to worry about. As a Christian, somebody needs to say amen. Amen. As a Christian, I don't have none of that to worry about. Because I am protected and covered by the Holy Spirit. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Don't you understand that? This is something that's given to us by God. When Jesus got the victory over Satan, he stole the keys of death and hell. All of these benefits, I like the word benefits, come along with that. That we have victory. 
And then finally, who can separate us in verse 38, 39, also in verse 35. Would you go ahead and peek at it? For I am persuaded or convinced, Paul says, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know, Paul says, you think something can separate you from the love of Christ? Paul says, well, let's go through the universe and look around. Can death separate us? No, Death can't separate you from the love of Christ because, listen, saints, death is not the end. Death actually puts its arm, when you take your last breath on earth, death puts its arm around you and ushers you into the presence of Christ. So death doesn't separate you from the love of Christ. Can life? No, life with all of its temptations and pressures and problems can't separate us. Can angels? No, they are sent to minister to us salvation. Can principalities and powers? Those are demons and different rankings of demons. No, Jesus has gotten authority over demons and various rankings of demons. And can things present? No, you might be struggling with a current situation in your life. That can't separate you from the love of God. And can things to come separate you from the love of God? The future? No. And can height and can depth separate you from the love of God? No, no. David said in Psalm 139, he says, where shall I go from your presence? If I ascend to the highest part of the mountains, behold, thou art there. And if I descend to the deepest part of the sea, behold, thou art there. Height nor depth can separate you from the love of Christ. And can any created thing separate you from the love of Christ? Now, listen, you would be a created thing. See, that's what my wife been calling me a thing, huh? You are a created thing, and even you, watch this, contrary to some teaching, even you can't separate you from the love of Christ. Don't you understand? You might be able to separate yourself from Christ, and you're not walking with Christ, but you can't separate yourself from his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, you can't separate him. You cannot stop God from loving you. I don't care what you do, where you go, who you are, what you think, who you be. You can't stop God from loving you. How are you going to tell God stop loving you? How can you make somebody stop loving you? Stop loving me. Nope. <laughs> stop loving me. Nope. Stop loving me. No. I won't. You better. Nope. How are you going to stop somebody from loving you? You can't. And you can't stop God from loving you. No created thing can separate you from the love of God. So what can separate you? Nobody and nothing. Are y'all getting the point here? All of the answers are the same in this test. Did you get that? Who can oppose us? Nobody. God is for us. Who can accuse us? Nobody. Jesus Christ has forgiven us. Who can condemn us? Nobody. God has already justified us. Who can defeat us? Somebody say it with me. Nobody. God has already given us the victory. And who can separate us? Nobody. Nothing, honey. Nobody can separate us because God loves us. 
The things that we've been talking about in Romans chapter 8 and even in the book of Romans are just strange. They're foreign to the ears of the unbeliever because the natural man, they can't get this. The natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit. This whole Christian life thing, have you realized that? 25 years of being a Christian and I'm still yet learning, this whole Christian life thing is peculiar. You know, the Bible says we are peculiar people. That doesn't mean like weird and wacky. It means the world can't understand us. The things that God has done for us. These things are strange. This is what A.W. Tozer wrote as he writes that this way, talking about a real Christian as I close. Listen, a real Christian is an odd number. He feels a supreme love for one he has never seen. He talks in friendly terms every day to someone he can't see. He expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another. He empties himself in order to be full. He admits he's wrong so he can be declared right. He goes down in order to get up. He's strongest when he is weakest, richest when he is poorest, happiest when he feels the worst. He dies so he can live. He forsakes in order to have. He gives away so he can keep. He sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and he knows things that passes knowledge. This is a Christian. Great and awesome things God has for his people. And so I'm learning. When people, you know how we just say blessed? How you doing? Blessed. You know what I'm learning? I'm learning to say more blessed. More blessed than I know. I am more blessed. You are more blessed than you know. Why? Because you're a child of God. Somebody clap their hands and say more blessed, more blessed, more blessed, great and awesome things. You don't want to miss next Sunday. We're going to talk about Israel and all that's going on there and God's people. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.